Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Winter's here, but it's also Pentecost today, which is an exciting moment in the history of the church. It's the birthday of the church where Jesus said, he said, wait and I will send my spirit and these ordinary unschooled people got filled with the Holy Spirit and God in them transformed the world. Uh, It's the day where the Spirit of God comes and we celebrate that the Spirit of God has come. But we are in a series in the book of Joshua and what I don't ever wanna do is just try and squeeze two things together for the sake of doing it because it's on the religious calendar. And we're gonna preach into Joshua, but I believe God has a really powerful word for us today Uh, from the life of Rahab. We're gonna honour Rahab. We're gonna remember Rahab and what a week it's been. I know as I've been preparing this, I've been sitting this, I've been studying Rahab in the book of Joshua and then I happened to have a a meeting with someone wanting to talk this local mission partnership and they happened to be from Rahab and they started telling me this stuff about Rahab prison, uh, Rahab ministry to prostitutes and seeing prostitutes set set free and I was like I've literally just been studying this for the last three days I don't think this is a coincidence I think it's a God incidence and I'm extremely excited about this so she thought she's gonna have to try and like convince us. I'm like, we're in, we're in, we want to do this. There was a lot of excitement. I'm just excited about what God's doing in in the heart for the broken and the heart for those who desperately need Him. May we be a church who who sees that in the midst of everything else going on, because there's a lot happening. Tuesday, we have our members meeting, just a little bit of information. And uh, at that members meeting, there's a heap of things we're going to talk about. We're planning a church into Lobethal, which we're so excited about what God's doing there. Um, we also, as of Friday, well, not we, but um, Mount Barker, well, Baptist churches uh, put an offering on six acres of land right next to King's Baptist. Those of you who've been with us for a while, have been journeying in this. So that, that offer has gone in. And next week, we will find out if that offer is accepted. And if that offer is accepted, well, then come on, Jesus. It it. Un, it it releases a whole heap of things which are gonna happen. So we've got a bunch of information to hand out and, and explain to everybody on Tuesday. So please come along at our Allgate campus on Tuesday if you're interested in anything to do with the, the future of where God's calling us to be. But all of that is for the purpose of mission. If we're in it to build a building, we've got our wires not just crossed, but wrongly connected, which will cause a catastrophic explosion. (laughs) We do not want to build a brand. We're not interested in building buildings for the sake of buildings. It is all so that the generations to come would know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if God's calling us to do some significant things in the Adelaide Hills and beyond, praise God, it's His work, it's His church. He's gonna build it. We just have to be obedient, but it's for the sake and the name of Jesus, amen? And that's why we're doing it. So when we get the information, we can give all sorts of details and numbers and exciting things that's happening, but as long as we hold the fact that it's for ministry and it's for mission and it's for His kingdom, not our own. And that's why we're there. So I wanna pray into that. Stand to your feet again. It's cold. It's an opportunity to get up and get moving. 
and then we'll open the word. Lord, we thank you for what it is that you are doing in building your kingdom and advancing your church in the Adelaide Hills. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity that it is to be a part of that. And Lord, we wanna offer our bodies, this body, this little church community here called Hills Baptist, we offer it to you as a living sacrifice. And we say, have your way. Lord, give us faith where we need faith. Lord, give us boldness where we need boldness. Give us courage and strength, Lord Jesus, and grant us the wisdom to hear your voice, to not listen to the lies of the world, Lord, but to hear your voice, to not be persuaded by the things that are attractive in this world, but be persuaded by your heart for your people, Lord, your heart for this world, and let us follow you running that race with everything we've got, that your name would be glorified, that lives would be transformed and that the hope of the gospel would be revealed across the earth, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, Joshua 2, open your Bibles. We're gonna get straight into it this morning. We've been looking at the fact that Joshua is more than a story about conquest and division. It's more than a pinata party for young children. This thing is a story about God doing wonderful deeds and setting up uh, memorials of remembrance so that we would not forget who the Lord is, that we would not forget His glory and what He has done so that we would always have our eyes on Him and follow Him. And so we come to chapter two, the story of Rahab and the spies. Such a powerful story. And reading from verse one, it says, Joshua, son of Nun, secretly, everyone say secretly, sent two spies, two spies from Shittim. Now that's a long I. <laughs> yeah, well, it, this preacher's saying it with a long I. You gotta be careful sometimes when you're reading the Bible. From Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. A couple of quick little uh, points that come to mind. First and foremost, Joshua does secretly what Moses did publicly. Verse one here is basically a, a redoing of what Moses did in the book of Numbers 40 years before where Moses hears from God and Moses hears this word that says, go and uh, scout out the land. He says, choose one person from each tribe and go and scout out the land. Now, here's the interesting thing. When you read the book of Numbers, nowhere in the book of Numbers does God command Moses to have those 12 people come back and bring a report to the people. All he says to do is go and scout out the land. The purpose of scouting out the land was to test and approve whether the land was good, which is just affirming the promise that God had already given, which was the land is good and you're gonna take it. But Moses makes a mistake in that he enables those 12 people to come and bring a report and two speak with faith and 10 speak with fear. And because those 10 people stand before an entire nation and speak fear, the nation believes the bad report and they end up wandering for 40 years in a desert when they should have, in faith, crossed the Jordan and taken the land. And you almost get this sense that Joshua's learned a couple of things. And he just sends two spies. He already knows what God's promised. 
How many of us in this place have had a word from God? We know what God has promised and we're trusting in bad counsel instead of getting good counsel to pursue what God has already called us into. We need to be very careful with whose voices we are listening to. Whose voices are we listening to? Are we listening to voices of of the Word and the Spirit? People who who have the Word and have the Spirit and are gonna speak faith with wisdom? Or are we gonna listen to a people who are just listening to what the world's saying and bringing reports of fear when God's already said go? Joshua says, we only need two spies. We don't need 12. We just need two and we're gonna go secretly. We're gonna go secretly in a world where everything's public all of the time. Sometimes God calls us to follow Him just quietly. We don't need to publish every devotion. Yeah? We don't need to publish everything we're doing. We don't need to constantly be telling everyone about the good deeds that God's called us to do. No, sometimes we just gotta just keep it quiet and just pursue Him faithfully and quietly and let Him be the one who moves the mountains as they come. Joshua, the son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Sometimes we settle in Shittim. We become so accustomed to Shittim that we forget that Shittim is, well, Shittim. (laughs) It's not where we're called to be. It's not the home that God has prepared for us. And we have to remember that God has not called us to that place. God has called us to His place. He's called us to His promised land. So let's not settle there when God's called us to take steps of faith. And sometimes that step of faith can be scary, but if God's calling us to go, let's be a people who are brave and bold. As He said in the previous chapter, be strong and courageous. It's time to leave Shittim and it's time to enter the land that was promised to us. Are you with me? Shittim is not where they were called to go. Canaan's where they're called to go. And so they begin to leave and then they go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. Again, in the book of Numbers, as Moses sent the spies, he says, look over the entire land. They looked over the entire land. They spent however long it took to look over all of Canaan. Joshua comes and says, look over the land, but hey, hey, we're just gonna take one step at a time. Jericho's right there. Let's, let's focus on Jericho. Let's focus on the first thing that God's called us to do. How many of you, when God gives you a vision, can become intimidated by the size of the vision? When God says that, that He will do immeasurably more than we hope or imagine, we can imagine some big things, yes? We've heard this before. We can imagine some big things. I don't know what your imagination's like. My imagination is a big imagination. Like I can see some stuff that God wants to do in this church and it, it, it can be a bit scary to think, well, how the heck is that ever gonna happen? But God says He's the God who can do immeasurably more than we hope or imagine. If we get so caught up in that big thing, we can become consumed with fear and think that could never possibly happen, so I won't do anything as opposed to just focusing on Jericho and taking one step at a time. And maybe today God's given you a vision. He's given you something that He's saying, I'm calling you into this. And you're like, I don't know how that could ever come to pass. And today maybe God wants to encourage you to say, just take one step. Take one step 
And then he'll open the door to the next step. And the next step, just knock on one door, one door, one door. And a day will come when you will look back and think, wow, look what the Lord has done. Because I could never have done that in and of myself. Amen? Go and explore Jericho, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, here's where I get stuck. Two spies, godly men, who Joshua's trusting to go in faith and bring back just that word to him. And so they go to Jericho, they sneak into Jericho and they choose to stay with a prostitute. And I'm like, why are they staying there? Anybody? You ever read it that way? What are they doing there? Why are they at Rahab's house? Of all the places they probably could have gone, why Rahab? Why a prostitute? Why this place? Are they going there to fulfil some desires that they had? Are they going there to take advantage of this woman who's been taken advantage of by everybody else? What's Rahab's story? How did she end up where she's ended up? These are the questions I find myself asking myself all of the time when I read, like, I'm just like, tuk, 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 tuk. why Rahab? Why are they there? And so I started kind of studying a bit around Rahab and studying how does someone get here? Do you know what I, what I realised? I realised that, that no young girl grows up dreaming of being a prostitute. When you walk into a reception classroom with a bunch of five-year-olds and say, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? You will not find a single girl who'll put her hand up and say, I want to be a prostitute. Did you know that? The only reason that Rahab is where she is is because something has happened in her world that has left her broken and destitute and the only thing she's got left to survive is selling her body to unrighteous men who would take advantage of a broken woman. And I started studying some stats around prostitution. I stumbled across this one study, this study of um, 200 prostitutes from India, peer-reviewed, genuine scientific study. And they were looking at depression rates and suicide rates in prostitutes. And they studied, uh, they found 100 women who had been in the industry for less than a year and 100 women who had been in the industry for more than three years. Out of the 100 women who had been in the industry for less than a year, guess what percentage of them had attempted suicide that year? 100%. 40% of them had tried at least three times. Out of the, the 100 women who had been in the industry for more than three years, guess what percent had attempted suicide that year? 100%. 100%. When they measured the depression rates and they used this particular scale, those depression rates were in the, the women less than a year 
were at this incredibly high rate compared to the rest of the Indian culture. For the women who had been in there for more than three years, those depression rates had actually dropped because they said they'd become so numb to what was happening, they'd lost their soul. Friends, I'm saying this because when we read the scriptures, sometimes we just read a prostitute named Rahab and the thing we forget to do is actually to come and sit next to Rahab and say, how are you going? What's your story? How did you get here? How do you feel about these two spies from this nation coming and being in your house? We gotta be very careful when we read the scripture to actually understand and jump in, dive in, look around and go, what's going on for her? No one decides to enter this industry because they want to. And we've got to be very careful in the West right now, especially with the normalization of pornography and the normalization of things like prostitution and these, I know I'm using these words and there's some children here, but if your children are sitting here, we're being real here and we're just talking about it. But we're trying to normalise it. And you'll hear this, this voice through social media at the moment and in our politicians saying, actually, it's a woman's body, it's her choice, and they're choosing to do this because they want to do this, and it's a viable income. Statistically speaking, that is a lie. Do not believe that lie. There might be one or two voices saying their thing, but if you dive down and peel back the onion, what you will see inside is a broken human being who's crying out for acceptance and a sense of self-worth and identity. Don't ever just look at Rahab and read a prostitute named Rahab and move on. This is a broken broken human being. And what we got to understand about a broken human being like Rahab is that she's the sort of person who no one wants to know by day. She's the sort of person who's discarded in society and ignored by day, but she's the sort of person who powerful people come to at night. They don't want to know her by day. They don't want to know her name by day, but they want to use her at night. And so people know who Rahab is, even though they pretend like they don't, she doesn't exist. So she's kicked out to the edges of society, which means for Rahab, she's actually living in a part of the Jericho wall, which is this, the poorest part of a city, the part of the city that's, that's hidden and pressed aside. It's the, the, city, the, the part of the, the city that dwells kind of in the shadows. So I don't have to think about her there, but I'll go to her when I want her. So Rahab is hidden from society. She's broken. She's destitute. The only thing she's got is her body to try and survive. And some scholars, when they do this, will, as you read, they'll say that the word in Hebrew here that they use for, for prostitute could also be used to explain an inn, a normal hotel. And they say Rahab wasn't a prostitute. She was an innkeeper and a wealthy person. That's nonsense. That's not what this text is saying. This is who Rahab is. So why do the spies go there? Why do the spies go there? If you're, if you're secretly trying to spy out the land, you need a place to hide. Are you with me? What better place to hide than the place that no one goes to in the day? So they've obviously heard because people know who Rahab is, but they just pretend like they don't. 
because to them she's scum that they can use and abuse. So the spies, somewhere along the way, have obviously been, someone's noticed them and notice they're not from around Jericho. And so they get wind and they go to the, to the hidden place where they know no one's going in the day. And so they rock up and they go to Rahab's house because they're looking for cover, right? They're looking for cover. And if we keep reading this story, it then verse two says, the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent message to Rahab Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. So these Israelite men, someone somehow has obviously caught wind they're there. They've gone to hide. Somehow the king knows who Rahab is. And these other people who have counsel with the king know who Rahab is because they're like, oh, these guys are at Rahab's house. Isn't that interesting? Sorry, just a side note. And so the word comes, here they go. The guys are, are hiding there. No one's going there in the day. The word comes and they say to Rahab, hey, send the men out because they're here to spy out the land. And in this moment, Rahab has a choice. And thus begins one of the most amazing conversations and statements of faith you will encounter in the scripture. Remember, a prostitute from Jericho, Yeah. This is what she says from verse four. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. So she said to the king's adversaries, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up on the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax. She'd lay down the roof. So Rahab is a lying prostitute from Jericho whom God uses to fulfill his purpose. And we think God can't use us. God will use a lying prostitute from Jericho if she's prepared to take a step of faith. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Then before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and she spoke to them. Now, here's what I want you to understand. So here we have Rahab, this broken, hurting harlot in Jericho. But that's not where her story ends, friends. Because my Bible tells me in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, that this woman, this hurting harlot from Jericho, became one of the members of the hall of faith. You guys didn't get it. I'm gonna come over here. <laughs> this woman who was broken, used and abused from Jericho, not even an Israelite, becomes a member of the hall of faith. My Bible tells me in the book of Matthew, not only does she become a member of the hall of faith, but this Rahab so happens to become the mother of a man named Boaz. Now, Boaz grows up to be a man 
who instead of looking at broken, destitute women as an object that he can use and abuse to fulfill his own desires, he becomes a man of integrity, a man of character, a man who would shelter the broken, a man who would bring the poor under his covering and care for them. He becomes a man who looks upon a lady called Ruth and he says, I'm gonna protect you. In fact, more than that, I'm gonna become your kinsman redeemer. And Ruth goes on and, and she has a child and then that person has a child and that person's name uh, happens to be Jesse. And Jesse has a son whose name is David. And David becomes the king of Israel. And the king of Israel goes on and happens to be the great, 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 great grandfather of a man named Jesus, who happens to be the savior of the world. So somewhere along the line, a herding harlot from Jericho happens to become the great ancestor of the savior of the world. The man who would come to bind the brokenhearted, set the captives free, release the prisoners and look upon anyone who is hurting and broken and struggling and say, I've got you. Not only does he become a kinsman redeemer to some, he actually becomes a kinsman redeemer to all of humanity. Now, how, how does a woman go from being this person hiding in a wall in Jericho to being someone in Matthew chapter one and Hebrews 11? How does this transformation happen? The answer is found right here in what she says to the men. Watch this. First and foremost, let me, I'll read it to you and then we'll pick it apart. I know, everyone say no, that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you, uh, the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. First and foremost, Rahab hears a report. Somewhere along the way, someone started talking about this God who splits seas. Somewhere along the way, someone started talking about a God who took a wandering people in a desert and destroyed two nations just across the Jordan. And that report has come into Jericho and it has so impacted Jericho that it says that they are literally melting with fear. Isn't it funny how the same people who are melting in fear because they've heard a report about a big God are the same people about who this report when Moses sent spies, they looked at a people who were melting in fear and said, we can't take the land because they're tall. Sometimes we're afraid of things that are more afraid of us. Sometimes we're afraid to take steps of faith because we don't realise how big our God is. If you're, a, the other day I'm, I'm, Mabel starts calling out, she's, she's saying, dad, 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 like terrified, she's screaming. I'm like, what's the problem? I walk in, she goes, there's a spider in my room. 
And she's freaking out. She's standing up on the bed. She's crying. She's like, Dad, there's a spider. I'm like, babe, it's a spider. Is anyone here afraid of spiders? I'm like, guys, the spider's this big. Do you know how big your shoe is? Anybody? Do you know how much a spider weighs? Like nothing. You put on a scale, you get nothing. Do you know how much you weigh? A lot more. Some more than others, but... Let me tell you something. We get so scared of a spider that it stops us from moving in the direction we're supposed to move when actually all you've got to do is go in there in faith, knowing who you are and go, actually, I'm bigger than you, bang. That's what I did. And Mabel's like, whoa, dad, thank you so much. Like, that's okay. Next time you could just do it. <laughs> Sometimes we're like that with God. Yes, Sometimes we see a situation, we think, wow, that situation's so big. Wow, the people of Jericho are so tall. And the people of Jericho are like going, wow, your God just split the Red Sea and destroyed Egypt, the most powerful nation on earth. So they're melting in fear over a people who are melting in fear. And so she, in this moment, she hears this report and she's like, I heard what your God did. And in this moment, it's something to remember. She's reminding the spies of who their God is. Yeah? She's reminding the spies of who their God is. She's saying, this is your God. He did this crazy stuff. And in hearing that report, as she hears what God has done, she actually has a revelation. It goes from mind to heart. Because as that beautiful thing finishes, verse 11, when we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God is God in heaven above and earth below. Rahab has heard what God has done. She has seen what God has done. And instead of it becoming just a message, it becomes something that she believes in her heart. She's like, there's no other God that can do what your God has done. And because there's no other God that can do what your God has done, I am going to trust in Him. I believe He is God. He is God. I wonder for us this morning, if we just need to remember who our God is. I wonder this morning if instead of telling God how big our mountain is, we need to tell our mountain how big our God is. I wonder if we need to remind ourselves and speak to our own hearts and begin to declare greater is He that's living in me than he that is in the world. I don't know what challenge you're facing, whether you're about to go into a prison to do prison ministry, whether you're facing a lack of work, whether you're facing some sort of hardship. I don't know what it is. Everyone's facing something. But let me tell you something. Greater is He who's living in me than he that is in the world. Come on, somebody. And we sometimes got to talk to ourselves and remind ourselves that's what Rahab's doing right now. She hears the report and she has the revelation. And then she takes action. She actually hides the rebels. She hides the rebels. Because of the revelation, she takes action. The revelation causes her to respond. 
And so she hides the rebels on the roof. And yet when the king comes and he says, hey, 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 these guys send them out. In this moment, Rahab has a choice. She has a reputation. She has a particular way of life. She is hidden in a wall. This is her moment to leverage something. Are you with me? She can leverage this moment. She could go to the king. Hey, you give me this, I'll give you them. This is an opportunity for her to get a leg up and get out of the life that she is stuck in. But she doesn't take it. Instead of trusting in the king of Jericho, she puts her trust in the God of Israel. And she's not even an Israelite. Why? Because she knows who he is. And she's seen him and she's like, I'm not just gonna put my trust in the king of Jericho because I know that there is a greater God. There is the God, the one true God. And I'm gonna put my trust in him and believe that he and he alone can transform my life and redeem my situation. And so she hides the spies. And sometimes we think this might be like for half an hour, like a game of hide and seek with your kids. This is This is days on end where she's dealing with this secret. She hides the spies that night, they go. Then she has to deal with it. What if someone finds out? What if they find out that I actually did hide them? What if if I'm exposed? What's gonna happen to her in that moment? Killed. But she puts her trust in the fact that there is a God in Israel who sees her for who she is. And unlike everyone else who sees her for what she gives, this God sees her for who she is. And so as she releases the spies, something fascinating happens. Verse 12, now then please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign, everyone say sign, that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord to the window through which you let us down. So she hears a report. And in hearing that report, she has this powerful revelation of who God is. So she takes action and hides the spies And then the last thing she does is she just puts her hope in a rope. They give her a little scarlet thread and they say, just put this in your window and we'll come get you. It's a promise that she puts her whole life on. Again, just be with Rahab for a second. Here's Rahab, she has this scarlet thread. She hangs it in her window and a couple of chapters on, all of a sudden, this whole nation is lining up in a circle 
walking around the city walls. And she's probably sitting there going, well, this isn't quite what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I thought you were going to come and get me out and then maybe like we'll go to war or something. And then the next day, as there she is in her window, the same thing. There they are, walking around a city wall. And then the next day, walking around the city wall. And then the next day, walking around the city wall. Every day, there she is, sitting in her house with her family, peering out through the window, just going, will they come for me? Will they be good to their word? I've got my, my scarlet thread. I've got this little piece of red rope. And I am trusting that this God is good on his promise. Benj, you can come up. And then on the seventh day, they don't go around once. They go around and around and around and around. And then eventually a trumpet blows. And guess what crumbles? Guess what crumbles? The wall. Where's her house? Have you ever noticed that before? Rahab's got her whole family in a wall and the wall is coming down. And in that moment, she has a choice. She can sit there and say, I'm gonna die in this wall, so I'm gonna get out. But what does she do? She waits and she stays right where they told her to stay. And the reason she stays there is because there's a rope hanging from her window and because she's put her hope in the rope. She has put her hope in a promise that was given to her that as long as you stay, as long as you wait, as long as you lean on me, we will come and we will get you. And you will not suffer the death that is about to come upon this city. And sometimes in our lives, it feels like everything's crumbling around us. We feel like God hasn't heard us, that God is not gonna be good on His promise, but the word that comes to us is wait. Wait on the Lord, hope in that scarlet thread that is more than just a, a red rope in the book of uh, Joshua for Rahab, but it is a scarlet thread that runs from Genesis 1 all the way through to Revelation 22. It is a scarlet thread that points to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the fact that He died and rose again and gave His life for humanity. And the question to us is, are we putting our hope in Him? Or are we putting our hope somewhere else? I've got that old song in my head right now that some trust in chariots and some hope in men, but I will hope in Jesus. That beautiful scarlet thread. And so she waits and watch what happens. In Joshua 6, 22, Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, this is as the walls have come down, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brothers and sisters, and all belonged to her. And they brought her entire, out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Friends, God is good on His promise. And sometimes it's hard to see that because sometimes it feels like the walls are crumbling down, but God is good on His promise. If God calls you to wait, wait because He's good on His promise. 
And the only way that we're gonna be able to learn to wait, the only way that we're gonna be able to learn to trust in Him, the only way that we're gonna lean into Him is if we have a revelation of who He is. That when we hear the reports and we hear about what He has done and we see that He has gone before us, then we will wait upon the Lord. Stop trusting in everything else. In this moment when Rahab could give the spies over, she has a chance to redeem her reputation. But instead, she leans into that reputation because she knows that God's the only one who can transform her identity. And we have a world that cares more about what people think about themselves, not just a world, a church that cares more about what people think about me than what God says about me. Come on, someone. And it's time that we stop thinking and caring about what everybody else thinks and learn from Rahab and goes, it doesn't matter what they say about me. It doesn't matter what they think about me. I know who I am in Him. And because I know who I am in Him, I'm gonna offer my life to Him and I'm gonna serve Him wholeheartedly regardless of what comes my way. And in so doing, we walk in the deliverance of God. We walk in the promise of God. We walk in the fullness of what God has for us. It's that dying to self and coming alive to Christ as He died that we might know the hope of the Gospel. The good news that only Christ can set us free. I just feel to pray for some people this morning Because Philippians 1 verse 6 says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Friends, your life might be a bit of a mess, but God is a God of mercy. And the great thing about God is when His mercy meets our mess, we see miracles. I don't know if you need a miracle today. I don't know if you're feeling a bit like Rahab that you're stuck there and you're trying to hold on to a promise, but I've just felt to encourage you today. Hold on to the promise. 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 And a second thing I felt to encourage us in, stop judging someone else for their circumstance. It's so easy for us to elevate ourselves over another person because they don't look like us, they don't talk like us, they don't walk like us, or maybe they've hurt us along the way. So we distance ourselves. That is not the heart of Christ. The heart of Christ is that you go to someone in their weakness, in their brokenness, and you bring the scarlet thread of mercy. That's the call of the church, yeah? that we bring the scarlet thread of mercy, that we be like the spies sent into the land to say, you are loved by a holy God. And it shouldn't be the Rahabs reminding the Israelites who God is, it should be the Israelites speaking to the Rahabs about who God is. Do you know who He is this morning? Do you know what He's done? Do we have that revelation? 
has 25 years of listening to sermons in church gone from here to here? Do we know we have the victory of God? We have the scarlet thread hanging from a window to say, you are mine. And when I say you are mine, nothing can snatch you out of my hand. Do you know that this morning? If you don't, I would love to pray for you that you would gain confidence in the mercy of God. Confidence that he who began a good work will bring it to completion. He doesn't leave things unfinished. He finishes them. He completes them. And the work He's doing in your life, He will bring it to completion. Maybe you just got to get some good people in your life to speak that faith and to encourage you in that walk. Would you stand to your feet, church? Some, some people sat in an upper room and they waited and they waited for God to be good on His promise they were fearful they were scared they weren't sure what was going on and they waited and in the waiting God came God has given us a promise He gave Rahab a promise and I believe He's given you a promise. And He's good on that promise. Don't rush ahead of it. Don't get out of the wall just because it feels insecure. Wait on the scarlet thread. Wait on Christ. And know that He will come. Because He's good. we'd love to pray. We're a praying church. We want to be a people who pray for one another. And just in this moment, if you're someone who just needs some encouragement, maybe you feel like the walls are crumbling. As we sing this last song, can I encourage you to come and get prayer? And we can have, we'll have some prayer team down here and down here and we're prayer team down the back there come and get prayer come and bring it to the Lord come and wait upon the Lord because those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength they will run and not grow weary they will walk and not be faint and the Lord has called his church to operate and run in his strength yes amen he's not calling a beaten bruised bride he's calling a pure spotless bride but we don't make ourselves pure and spotless he does the work he gives the promise he comes and rescues he just says wait 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 hold on trust me 
I'm coming. I'm the same God who split the Red Sea and I'm coming to redeem you. I'm coming to redeem the ones you're praying for. I've got your children. I've got your your parents. I've got your siblings. If you wait and you hold on to me, I will be true to my promise. Let's be a people who get back to waiting, yeah? Let's be a people who know that scarlet thread and know He's good and wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Don't wait on Netflix. Don't wait on your iPhone. Don't wait on the next thing. Wait on the Lord. For He who promised is faithful and He is good and He is sure and He is true. That's our God. That's our God. That's our God. And we will bring a report that is not a report of fear that says we can't conquer this mountain, but we will look back on all that He has done before, on the seas that He has split, on the mountains that He has moved, on the salvations that He has brought, on the victories that He has won. And we will declare that our God is able. And we will be a people of faith who speak faith to one another and walk in the strength of the Lord because He is good. And the evidence is a scarlet thread that runs through the pages of Scripture. If Rahab held on to it by faith, so can we. And find our names not written in the hall of faith, but written in the book of life. Because He promised, He's faithful. Let me pray. And then we'll sing, Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you saw Rahab for who she was and you saw her for who she is. And Lord, I pray for those people in Adelaide in the 300 brothels in our city who are there because they feel like they have no hope I pray that you would raise up an army to go and bring the scarlet thread of grace that they would know that there is a God who sees them and loves them and that their hope is not lost, that their identity is not in what people are prepared to pay for them. Their worth is not in what people are prepared to pay for them, but their worth is found in the fact that the Son of God gave His life on a cross that they might have life and life to the full. Lord, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Father, for each person in this room, let us wait upon you and walk by faith, even when faith is hard to find. For you are good and you are faithful. Come, Holy Spirit. Stir our hearts. Transform our lives. 
draw us nearer to you, we pray. In the precious name of Jesus and all the saints said, listening to the Hills Baptist podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.